Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Alleluia. As I mentioned earlier, the tone of Easter does begin to change a little bit with this gospel reading. There's a bit of a, a somber note as Jesus tells his disciples that in a little while, they will see him no longer. There is some debate over what Jesus means here. The disciples certainly didn't get it. The context seems to indicate that he's speaking about the time of his suffering and his death, his burial in the tomb. After all, our gospel reading from John 16 takes place on Monday, Thursday evening, just hours before his betrayal and arrest. But there's also another sense here where even as the disciples weeped and lamented over those days, there's a sense here in which Jesus is sort of looking over their heads a little bit in order that he would talk to us today. After all, Consider how the scriptures speak about the time in which we now live. Psalm 23 is a perennial favorite of the Christian church. And yet, even in that psalm, there's a bit of a somber note. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. In Luke 1, Zechariah sings that the world is in darkness and the shadow of death. Revelation 7 calls this life that we're living in now, calls it the Great Tribulation. More than just the Bible's description of the world, however, tells us that what Jesus says about this life is right. That our experience goes along with what Jesus is saying here. How often have we taken the role of a modern-day Mary and Martha and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you had been here, I wouldn't have lost my husband. If you had been here, I would have lost my mom and dad. If you had been here, my child wouldn't be sick. You have all of these moments of weeping and lament that time cannot simply erase. The world that we live in is, as the Catechism says, a veil of tears. That's not to say that there are no moments of joy in the world. There certainly are. But even those times are tinged with sadness. I consider, for instance, my own grandfather. He told me many times in the years before I went to seminary, how excited he was for me to go so that he could see me be a pastor. And yet, a few months after Andrea and I got married, he died even before I'd filled out the application. Now, there was a lot of joy in getting an opportunity to preach my first sermon, to get a vicarage assignment, to get ordained in my first calling congregation, to baptize my own son. But in each of these joyous occasions, I know that my grandpa, who would have loved to have seen these things, didn't get to see them at all. But Jesus does not 
talk about this little while of weeping and lament in order to discourage us. In a few weeks, Jesus will tell us why he says these hard things to us. He'll say he tells us this in order to keep us from falling away. He knows that when you are prepared for something, it's less likely to shake you up when it happens. St. Cyril of Alexandria, writing in the 5th century, puts it like this. It was not to inflict sorrow prematurely upon them that he told them these things, but that by his knowledge they might be prepared and strengthened against the fear that would assail them. For an attack whose coming is awaited is not as severe as one that is wholly expected. In other words, Jesus is warning us and the disciples of what is to come in order that we might be ready, that we would be prepared for the time when suffering comes. The more we sweat in training, the less we will bleed in wartime. But there's also something else to consider here. When Jesus calls this time of weeping and lament a little while, that means that it's not going to last forever. St. Augustine, preaching on this text, also in the 5th century, said, Jesus promised to the whole church, this little while seems long while it is endured by us, but when it is over, then we shall see how little... It was. Jesus uses an example here of a woman in labor to make his point. Now, I don't want to get out of my depth here. We already saw how, what happens when I try to do math from the pulpit. But I do remember how long labor was for Andrea with one of the children. And I remember clear as day that she said that we got to a point. She got to a point where she said that she couldn't do it anymore. She was just exhausted. She was worn out. But I also remember that when they laid that screaming and kind of slimy bundle of joy on her chest, how that sorrow, how that exhaustion began to melt away. St. Paul, thinking about this little while of weeping and lamenting in the days of his life, says in Romans 8, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the joy, the glory that is to be revealed. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. People loved by God. Jesus tells us here that it's just a little bit longer, a little while before he returns. And when he does return, we shall see how little this time actually was. In the hymn, Amazing Grace, we sing, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we'd first begun. 
this life in comparison to eternity is short. It's, as Jesus says, but a little while. So do not be discouraged. Jesus is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness. Remember that to the Lord, one day is like a thousand, and a thousand years is like a day. He apparently can't do math either. But he fulfills his promises just at the right time. When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. And when the time is right, he will also come and rescue you from this veil of tears. But in the meantime, he does not leave you without comfort. For though he is absent in a visible way, in the same way that the disciples could see him as he was speaking this little sermon to them on Monday, Thursday evening, because he has ascended to the Father, he continues to come to us today. He does continue to speak to us in his word. He comes to us in his sacraments. He will not leave us as orphans, but dwells in us through his Holy Spirit, whom he has given to us in baptism. Right now, we do live in this little while before Christ's return. We weep, we lament, and we mourn our sins, and we mourn the sorrows of this life. But your Jesus knows down to the very hour how long we will have to endure before he comes to rescue you. And this time, he says, is just a little while. So therefore, I tell you, do not lose heart. In that day, in the day of the coming of Jesus, he will wipe away every tear from your eyes. And as he says, no one will take your joy from you. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.